Welcome to the Adding Value podcast with Eleanor Mason. Today I'm delighted to welcome Martin Colwood to come and talk all things rock and roll. Martin's recently set up a fantastic Launceston School of Rock and um, we'll go through kind of that in more detail a bit later. Um, But first, Martin, can you give us a little potted history about your involvement with music over the years? Yeah, certainly. So uh, firstly, thanks very much for making time to chat to me. Um, So my history goes back some years uh, in the Launceston area. I was uh, fortunate enough to grow up in this beautiful town. Um, And my musical journey started here from having a great musical education at Launceston College. Um, From about the age of about 14, that was when I first started a band, um, and what we, in hindsight, weren't really very good, um, but we thought we were at the time. Um, <laughs> yeah, we think we all know it, don't we, at oh, kind of yeah. that age? <laughs> yeah, so we, we were the hottest thing ever, um, and we played every village hall around the southwest, really just trying to make a name for ourselves, um, and as the years went on, I, I realised that actually that band wasn't particularly that great. Um, honed my skills and met other musicians and fast forward a few years I was fortunate enough to have a career in music as a professional musician um, which led to working with all sorts of people all over the world playing live and recording and these days I've cooled it down a little bit and turned my attention to teaching so that's in a nutshell Kind of where you're at and yeah. um, am I right in thinking you've worked with some pretty famous names yeah um, I've been very very lucky actually over the years um, I've managed to work with people like UB40, Aswad, uh, Soul to Soul, um, Top Loader, Happy Mondays, the Buzzcocks, um, Bad Manners, um, tons of people that I was a fan of growing up so um, I was always quite picky to what work I chose I'm quite selfish and picked the ones that I was a fan of really but that's great and actually you know to to still be young now and also to have had that kind of grounding and that kind of career to be worked with what essentially were already pretty famous names I would imagine it you know it's it it's phenomenal it must have felt like a huge thing it, it was massive um the first few you do get a little starstruck um when you get the first few yeses for jobs and um, you find yourself live on stage playing a song that you grew up listening to in your parents' front room, you know, um, when you were like five or six. And it's it's a bit surreal to start with before it becomes the norm. So. I bet, absolutely. Well, we've got some kind of questions to go through. We will touch about um, touch on the School of Rock that you have set up in Launceston. Um, we'll, we've got some questions to kind of go through. The, the point of the podcast is to add value to our listeners. Um, and I think that you've not only got kind of the experience in terms of the practical side of things, which you're absolutely kind of um, passing down through the School of Rock, um, but you've also got some really valuable learning insight for either people in the sector, but not just that, just kind of life insight, because you would have seen so much of the world and the transition as well, that, you know, kind of from where you were 10, 20 years ago to kind of where you are now. Um, So, um, starting off with the first question, what seems to be the one thing or the few things that people understand, sorry, misunderstand about your sector? Um, It's a funny one, really. There's there's three main ones that always, I always get asked or people presume. Um, The first thing really is the fame element. So people presume because you're not famous that you're not 
a successful musician or that you have to be famous to be a successful musician. Um, that really is not the case. There is an awful lot, millions of musicians out there that are very, very accomplished, very, very successful and have music as a job that nobody's ever heard of them. Um, so that, that's the first one. The second one, it always makes me laugh. Um, because you're a musician, you're a professional, you must be loaded, you must have tons of money and it's really not the case at all. Um, it's very much the opposite. It's, um, yeah, so people presume that you are rolling in it. Um, the, the last one, it's the one that winds me up the most really, um, is that it's easy. So people think that because you're a musician, every day is a holiday and it's an absolute doddle. Um, in reality, it's the hardest job I've ever had. Um, it's the hardest thing I've ever experienced. You don't eat properly, you don't sleep properly, you have to come awake at nine o'clock every night without fail, that's when you have to perform. Um, late nights, lots of traveling, time away from family. Um, yeah, it's, it's the most difficult thing I've ever done actually. So it's not easy. No, and you've got to love it. It has to be your absolute kind of dedicated passion in order to kind of see it through. Um, and like you say, the kind of misconception about the money side of things. And I think it's, it is, it, it's about your um, perception of what success is. And if your your criteria for success is to um, to be playing music and actually getting paid to play music, albeit not millions, but it's you know to kind of make your living through doing something that you absolutely love. If that's your success criteria, then then you you know you're absolutely successful. People kind of look at it from a financial perspective in terms of success. I'm guessing quite a lot. Definitely, and and the people. I'd, the one thing I would say that you you have to have that approach you have to do it because you love it um it's the ultimate dream for musicians to be able to just earn a living off playing and doing what you love doing i think the the moment that you're trying to chase the money to do it that's the moment you've already failed um you, you're not going to get rich doing be a playing music these days it's not going to happen um so you have to do it because you love it become a master of your skill and then the money follows after so and then you've got the chance then to do and to go on to do other things or to kind of like you say once you've once you've done the whole touring thing and have a family want to settle down children etc then obviously it becomes much more difficult to kind of live that essentially that rock and roll lifestyle yeah yeah definitely i think it's it's very much a, a young single person's game if if possible um it's a, I watched a documentary a little while ago for, about Lemmy from Motorhead and he, he said that um, it's it's rock and roll band or a wife and family, you can't do both. Um, and I totally get that, because you, you have to love it as much as you love a wife and family. So yeah, you can't, you can't spread that too thinly. Can't split the time. No. Okay, so um, we... Um... I mean, mentors are really, really important, absolutely important. And, and I know that you touched very briefly on the fact that you had some good um, music um, teachers here in Launceston and at Launceston College. And that's that's really refreshing to hear as well. I mean, you know, we are a very small rural town in Cornwall, but to know that actually we are, um, you know, we have the ability in a um, just a, a state comprehensive school to be able to provide some really basic skills so you know from a young age but you know through through the ages so what mentors have you had and who's had the kind of most impact and why 
Um, I've I've had I've been lucky. I've had, I've seemed to have just bounced from influential character to influential character through my musical life. Really, um, my earliest one. I always talk about him because I love him dearly. Um, my first mentor that I looked up to was an old next door neighbour that I grew up next to, um, a, a gentleman called Mark Stanley. Um, and when I first decided to learn electric guitar, I didn't really know what I was doing, and it became pretty apparent very quickly that Mark next door could hear me making horrific noise, <laughs> really loud. And one, one day he came and uh, knocked and said, you know, are you learning guitar? And I thought he was going to totally kick off. Um, and he said, oh no, come, come around to mine and we'll have a look. And I didn't know, and he, he played guitar and he was great. And he spent hours and hours and hours with me, sat around his house, showing me chords and scales and chord sequences and he took time he didn't really have to take because he was a you know he was a busy guy he had a family and you know he, he made time every day to just kind of show me the way so I'm, I'm always forever grateful to him for that um, wow so yeah he's, he's my earliest one um from there um yes i have phenomenal teachers at Launceston college i have um rob strike who um is well known in the area he's such a gifted musician um and f a fantastic teacher just wonderful with kids Nothing's ever too much trouble. Um, so I, I really looked up to him growing up. Um, also, Rob Parkin, that was at Launceston College when I was there, still, um, again, he, he was just always willing to take the extra extra couple of minutes to explain something for those that wanted it. So they played a huge part. Um, following that, there's um, also Tony Butler, who I hugely look up to. He's a bit of a hero of mine anyway. Um, he was the bass player in Big Country, who I was a fan of growing up. And then one day he just appeared in Austin College and he was my music tech teacher and I couldn't quite believe it really. Um, wow. Yeah, so to learn music tech from an actual rock star. Yeah. <laughs> was, uh, that was pretty cool. Um, so he, he taught me the other side of things, so he was hugely influential on me learning how to approach live sound, recording, um, and he brought that kind of, that touring head into into the game a little bit to teach me things that I hadn't thought of before how to even how to set up some mics on a drum kit and record them properly you know things that you you don't necessarily learn probably do nowadays but back then we didn't um so yeah hugely hugely thankful to Tony um Al Hodge he was a quite famous um character in the southwest he was a guitarist that through the 70s and 80s Possibly early nineties, he worked with people like Leo Sayer, um, Meat Loaf, Susie Quattro. Um, he used to do a lot of session playing, and he was quite well known under his own steam as well. Um, and he became a friend after I went to a gig and bumped into him afterwards and talked to him, and he could see that I had the the drive and the the kind of hunger for it. And so he'd spend hours teaching me things and showing me things without any charge because he could just see that I was absolutely just ravenous for this um he's sadly no longer with us he passed away in 2006 but um i've got his one of his albums in my car and it's a regular feature wow. um so yeah they're probably the ones that shaped me really that's amazing and i can see obviously from that perspective how that's kind of now shaping you and what you want to do because they have been such a major part on you know, they gave you time, they gave you their experience and their expertise and um, and then obviously the kind of 
you know, coming back home to Launceston. Um, and they do say about Cornish people that, you know, if you marry a Cornish man or woman, you've got to expect to live in Cornwall because we always come home. Yeah. Um, and, you know, after I moved away for 13 years and, and then came back home to Launceston too. And um, you've done the same. And it's amazing how many people actually do come back to Launceston, come back home after they've kind of been away. Um, but I'm guessing the School of Rock is kind of part of that extension of that journey that you're now in a position to be able to give back. Absolutely. It's something that um, I've, I've spoken to a lot of people about it since I launched it, but it's, it's something that I've been designing and planning very carefully because I wanted to get it right. Um, there's first-class music education out there, um, but time is a squeeze for everybody these days, and I just wanted to be able to give kids that something outside of school that I was lucky to have in some respects but it wasn't readily available for everyone when I was growing up so the the time element is a huge thing you know those mentors dedicated a lot of time um you know that they they wouldn't ever get back you know they weren't making anything out of it they were just passing knowledge um so yeah I'm hugely passionate about just passing on my knowledge what I've been fortunate to learn to the next generation in a selfish way as well because when I get old I want to listen to awesome music so we need to set them up, to set them up yeah right, right? So, so you're literally creating your next playlists aren't yeah, you pretty much, yeah. yeah absolutely um okay so uh what kind of advice would you give to others perhaps listeners and they might not be necessarily in the music sector but they might or you know kind of what kind of stuff could you could you advise them or pass on? Um, the, the biggest thing for me is you've got to be prepared to take an awful lot of hits along the way. You Getting into music is not easy. You know, it's probably harder now than ever. Um, there's so much talent out there, you know, um, and, and that's great. It's great for the listener. It's not necessarily great for the artist that wants to be heard. Um, but you've got to be prepared for the knockbacks. Um, from my experience, every yes that I got probably came off the back of about 40 or 50 no's. Um, that's not a great return on investment, to be honest. But you you have to just be prepared to take it. It's much harder to take in music or art or something where you put in you, your personality and a, a little piece of you into it every time. I, I suppose it's not easy for anybody. Uh, you know, even in business, it's not easy to have knockbacks. But when you're creating music or art, you're putting a little bit of your soul into it. And so you take it a little bit more personally. You, you know, you've, you've, put, you've put yourself in every single piece of your work and for somebody to come back and say, it's rubbish, um, it can hurt. So you've got to be prepared to just keep taking the hits. That's yeah. the biggest thing really for me. Yeah, absolutely. And leading on slightly, so obviously we t- you, you've, you've just mentioned that there is so much more music out there and there are so many more talented people out there. And um, I mean, the next question was kind of what resources or apps have helped you most in business or, you know, through the ages. But can we also just kind of maybe just touch on the fact that that when you started out, technology and access to audience and that was all channeled through uh, promoters, radio stations, through record labels. And actually, if they didn't pick you up, you weren't ever heard. And the evolution to where we are now, where somebody can post a 30-second demo on TikTok and suddenly they become world famous, you must have seen a huge contrast. It, yeah, it's, it's actually mind-blowing, really, when 
because it's over a period of time, I don't really notice it. But when I sit down and think about it, the difference is just ridiculous. So, you know, I, I started in a time where social media didn't exist. It wasn't a thing. People didn't have that luxury. You know, we, we grew up with 56K dial-up internet, you know, and if your <laughs> yeah. nan phoned and you cut you off. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, so we didn't really have anything. The, the only thing you had was perseverance. Um, you, you had to do it the hard way. You had to post demo tapes to people. You had to fly post posters where you weren't supposed to and, you know, hope you didn't get fined. Um, you had to go out handing leaflets out. You, it was just, yeah, it was just relentless. Um, whereas now, you know, the young people coming through, they've got everything at their fingertips. They've got every tool they need in their pocket, you know. It's... Um, a little bit of me is kind of jealous, but at the same time, I'm quite proud that I did it the hard way. But yeah, I mean, social media is just everyone's life now, isn't it? It's just powerful. Um, and it gives everyone an opportunity and a voice and it's it's got pros and cons. I'm, I'm quite opinionated on both sides of those really, but um, it's, yeah, the, the change is just unbelievable yeah and it's given it's given essentially the world if you have a smartphone if you have internet connection it's given you the opportunity to communicate with the world whereas before you could only do that in much smaller kind of pockets really of your immediate environment yeah absolutely um when you know if we were if you wanted to spread your name back in the old days I say old days, you know, I'm sounding like my dad now, but you know, you, 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 <laughs> wanted, you wanted to spread yourself in the old days. You had, to, you had to go and get gigs everywhere. That was the biggest thing. You had to put yourself in front of people. So it was all about the live thing. So, you know, even as a 14, 15 year old kid, I was playing gigs all the time on school nights and, you know, not just in the Southwest. We'd go off and spend a weekend in London trying to get open mic sessions places and nothing booked you just rock up with a van full of gear and a very dedicated parent driving you and just hope for the best and hope you could get a few slots in that weekend and it was exhausting really yeah I can imagine though there's part of that um I think that that element of um work hard graft resilience you know the knockbacks the problem solving because you know you 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 might rock up and actually you you can't play where you thought you wanted to play and you have to play somewhere else but you've got to get some money somehow that element of it's kind of almost been stripped back it's been replaced by something very different and a whole kind of marketing and market savvy um kind of generation really so the skills are very very different um and but it, it it's interesting to see whether or not that resilience element of things will come out of this particular generation maybe it's a resilience of not actually caring if people you know kind of troll you comments they make and you know that 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 kind of element of things but yeah it's, it's a very different environment and you know kind of having to physically graft as opposed to kind of, you know, maybe men mentally graft. Yeah, um, it's, it's funny you say that, because I, I was just thinking at that moment, it's, for all the all the pros, there's always cons. It doesn't matter, you know, what age or what technology, you know, so back in the, the days where we had no social media, in a way we were protected as well, because we couldn't have anyone in the world hurling abuse at us, you know, we, we couldn't have, we, we were sheltered from that, so that's quite good. You might, you know, get someone swearing your face when you give them a flyer, but it's a bit different. It's on a bigger scale now. Um, yeah. And at the same time, 
the, the youth today don't have the venues available that we had. You know, we, live music venues were everywhere when I was growing up, so getting gigs was not a problem. Um, nowadays, not so much, you know, every, everywhere's closing in the, in the cities and so on. So what they're gaining online, they're losing live, and what we had live, we didn't have online. So I guess we probably even each other out, to be honest. Yeah, it's just a different landscape, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, so um, I'm going to touch a little bit on Launceston. Um, so many people come back and those that move here um, or even just come and visit here are always astounded by how pretty it is, the community, the stuff that goes on, the events that we have here, the talent that comes out of here. Um, and we are a little bit like this undiscovered kind of gem of, of Cornwall and actually of, the, of England, really, of the UK. Um, but what is it that you love most about Launceston? I, I think just the, in general, as a blanket overview, the sheer beauty of the town. Um, it's easy when you live here all the time to almost just not notice it because it's all around you. But people that come here, I've, I've got family you know, all over the country and when they come down to stay, they're just always blown away with the just the, the range of beauty as well you know the, not just the the backdrop that we're lucky to have the architecture that's something i love in the town center the mix of different building styles and you can you can see almost the different time periods you know around you there's such a mix um so yeah just just taking the 30 seconds a day to look up and around you and just appreciate it that's that's what i love Absolutely. I was showing um, some people from Bristol around. Um, they were looking at it from a business perspective. Um, and yeah, it was absolutely that they they were looking up and saying, oh, well, you know, you've got Georgian, Victorian, you've got medieval, you've got this, you've got... And it is. Um, we've got such an array. And actually, it all fits together. It looks... <laughs> so although it's an eclectic mix, it doesn't look like things have been plonked here and plonked in. They're just kind of integrate don't they yeah, it just works if it's just something about it, it just works yeah it really does it really does okay so a couple more questions what's the highlight of your career been um i've had many but i think the biggest one for me still is when i toured india with um, my own band that i was playing with at the time um and having worked with lots of other people and worked on their music and you know that was awesome and that was great but it was theirs and it was already kind of established, you know, everyone's heard Red Red Wine by UB40, you know, so that was never hard pleasing a crowd with that. Um, the, the difficult one was going out there with your own band and the, the big thing for me, being able to tour India and sell out every show over there, finding out that we were much more popular in Asia and South America and so on than we were here. And, you know, the highlight was probably the last show of the tour where we sold out in our poorer to about 15,000 people. Wow. Which, yeah, that was, that was nice. <laughs> but also, like you say, because it was yours, you did it yourself, you, you, you know, that, that was your achievement as opposed to riding off the back of, you know, potentially somebody else's already established fame. Yeah, definitely. Um, it, was, it was just really strange. Sometimes, you know, we, we um, for our downtime, we'd hire some open-top Jeeps, you know, it's, pretty uh, toasty in India so we wanted some airflow um, and we'd be driving along and people would recognize us and shout and um, stop us on the beach you know for photos and it was just a little bit strange because I don't deal with the, the kind of fame thing I don't I don't um, I like to keep my head down and go under the radar a little bit but 
But then when you're on stage, it's a completely different kettle of fish. Absolutely. I've seen some of the promo photos and some, yeah, it's, um, you, I, I suppose you kind of grow into character. Yeah, definitely. It's a, it is a performance and there's, there's two sides to me for sure. There's, there's the me. Uh, you, you can't be the person that you're on stage all the time because you'll just burn out and just wind everyone up around you as well. You can't be full of energy like that all the time. Um, so I have my almost on-stage persona. Um, it's a little bit of an act, but I, just, I always feel that little bit safer behind an instrument as well because people are looking at you and judging you for that instrument, not you. Um, so, yeah, that's my mask. My, my guitar is my mask. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, so we haven't really talked a lot about uh, Nonson School of Rock, so we can um, we can kind of delve into that now. And then also just for you to talk a little bit about kind of what's next and how people can find out more information about Nonson School of Rock, find out more information about you, kind of how, how they can kind of contact if they're interested. So do you want to kind of talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, sure. So the, the School of Rock, um, as I mentioned briefly earlier, was something I've been planning for a long time. Um, and I wanted to give children something extra than just learning to play an instrument. It's, um, I think it's not that a lot of people get it wrong. They just don't, they get it very right. They just don't do it in a way that I think can work better so I like to teach music in the same way as a language um, it is it's a universal language so we should teach it like it I think um, and with language from birth you you're not categorized you're not put in classes of ability you're not just put into age groups you you're jamming with pros from the word go from birth so that was something I wanted to encourage was a mixture of ages all together because you know, as soon as you leave school or finish your education, you go into the world and you're not in age groups or ability groups, you, you're in the big wide world. Um, and music is very much like that. They, the kids learn so much from each other. The older ones or the more able ones learn to support and pull the, the younger or less able ones up. And the, the younger ones or the less able ones learn so fast from playing with older, more able kids. That's the quickest way to learn as part of a collective band rather than just instrument groups so my vision was to kind of put kids together in a real band um, and teach them the whole package of band life um, which is transferable skills to to life you know people may not realize it but um, you know the the musicianship side of things and the listening to each other carefully and the discipline as well um, there's a great deal of discipline goes into music um, there's so many factors that build the band life. Um, the science behind the instruments, the gear maintenance, how to set up. You know, there's so many kids out there that have got an electric guitar and they have been having lessons, but they don't know how to set their own gear up or restring their guitar. So it's the whole the whole thing for me. There's, I just wanted to just give kids all of it. Um, which is fantastic and and I've never ever heard of it being described in that way before but you're right from the moment babies are born as adults articulate adults we are communicating with them whether they understand it or not and that's how they pick it up yeah, yeah. and so because they're picking it up in that way and there's no reason why you won't wouldn't pick up other skills in the same kind of way and I guess we have that expectation of behavior from kids too don't we so we we don't necessarily 
teach set about like we do in lessons at school where they're taught maths and arithmetic and you know English and science and all those other subjects we 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 kind of expect that they holistically take on how to act how to behave how to process how to be mentally resilient we don't necessarily teach those things um and um and, and why not and certainly the same way with music you know we that they yeah to, to be able to kind of be within the mix and learn from others that's a really interesting philosophy or approach yeah definitely I mean it's it's funny when you when you said about um you know when we are you know we're talking with your baby's talking with you know or learning to talk around adults it it's actually you don't ever tell you know your your child is learning to talk you they get something wrong you don't tell them they got it wrong in in fact actually most times you you get it wrong to match them then you actually learn off them so they'll have a certain word for something they can't pronounce yet so you end up calling it that actually yes. so it works the other way yeah it really does it really does okay so rounding off how do people contact you how do they find out more information okay so um everything online is um chords music so um you can have a look at my website chordsmusic.com um, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, etc. It's always um, Chords Music, one word. Um, also, the McQueen's Dance and Theatre CIC um, that I've um, partnered up with to launch the School of Rock. Um, feel free to have a look on their social media as well um, and contact either of us for more information, really, on the School of Rock. That's amazing. And obviously, I will tag as well on Facebook and the like too so that people can find you quite easily across social media. Cool. Thank you so much for your time today. It's been fantastic. I've learned a lot and I'm sure you've added a huge amount of value to our listeners as well. So thank you ever so much. Well, thank you. And thanks for taking time to listen. I hope somebody takes something out today. Um, and always feel free to contact me. Um, you know, even if it's just a bit of advice, just give me a shout. I'm always available. So. That's wonderful. Thank you very much, Martin. Thank you. <laughs>